99.1, the sports animal. I'm Vince Ferrara. Let's talk some recruiting and some college football we bring in from 24-7 Sports. He is the National Recruiting Director. Also, you see him on CBS Sports and their platforms as a college football analyst. Mr. Barton Simmons, friend of the station, joins us here on the show. Hey, Barton, Vince in Knoxville. How you doing through all this? Vince doing well, man. I'm 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 hanging in there just like everybody else, and uh, at least for right now, we still have some some football and recruiting and and everything else to talk about. We'll, we'll see what happens if there's no season in the fall, <laughs> but uh, but for now, hey, I'm, I'm I'm I still got stuff to write, still got stuff to say. Yeah, no doubt. And with all this, let's start there with the dead period that continues right now. We're still seeing commitments to schools. Jeremy Pruitt had four in the month of March. So there's still activity, but it's remotely with this dead period. Kind of explain what it's been like for you to witness all this uncharted territory right now. It's been fascinating. I think as much as anything, it's just sort of been interesting to see how these college coaches have adapted in the sense that no one has a blueprint. No one knows what's to come. Everyone's dealing with the same circumstances. And so when you think about all the the ways recruiting has been upended, you know, this is a time of year, A, when, when kids are getting on campus, not, not just really for the first time. I think that's why you see a lot of these commitments is that they've been recruiting these guys for a long time. But it's where you're building that comfort level. They get on campus for the second, third, fourth time. They come through with their family on spring break. That They're able to, to get a, a much better comfort level just with the coaching staff and with the program. And so um, that, that obviously is out the window. Official visits are out the window. And I think as impactful as anything is the, the spring evaluation is obviously out the window now. And so sort of the idea of sending out some early offers and then waiting to sort of confirm internally with your own staff, hey, this guy is what we thought he was. We saw him in person. We liked him. Or we got this guy to camp over the summer. He checked out. Okay, now he's a take. Now let, let's, let's really put the pedal to the floor and, and try to get this kid committed. That's gone. I mean, all you have now is is just the film. It's just the, the highlight film, the high school film, the game film. And so watching these coaches adapt to that, um, it has been interesting, and and I think that's part of why you're seeing some of these commits come. Is look, the writing is on the wall. This isn't going to end anytime soon. If we can get some commits in the boats, uh, let, let's go ahead and do it. Because if we don't, we could be looking at August before we're able to really get a, a look at any of these players again. And then where are you? You're, you're way behind the eight ball. So it's been a really interesting process to sort of watch from the outside looking in. We're visiting with Barton Simmons from 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports here on 99.1 The Sports Animal. So we talk about how the teams and the coaches are adjusting right now. What about from the recruit standpoint, the kids' standpoint? You mentioned camps earlier. Those can't happen. Talk about kids that are impacted the most with this. Well, I think if you missed your junior season for any reason, if you were injured, if you had transfer limitations or restrictions that caused you to miss the season, if you were playing behind a, a senior you know, camp season is a time for you to really sort of see your stock rise, prove yourself, uh, get in front of coaches. Obviously, so that hurts for those type of prospects. Uh, it, it hurts for the prospect that's going to run out, go out and run a bunch of 4440s. hurts for the prospect that's going to run a 10, 500-meter dash in the spring and, and track and field and, and catch some eyes and some attention in that sense. Uh, so any of these sort of late risers, it's it does sting. And, and look, I think these kids – are going to play college football anyways, but 
they might land at a FCS program or a group of five program. I think just that there's going to be more of an old school approach uh, and an old school dispersion of players around the country um, in, in, in ways that, that we've not really seen as much of recently. The, the other thing that's going to be impacted is just the idea that with all this time uh, that these coaches have, with the opportunity to continue to evaluate and dig in on film, we're going to see a lot quicker start to the class of 2022, the class of 2023. That's when I talk to coaches right now, that, that's really what their focus is in recruiting offices anyways, is getting ahead of the game on the younger guys. And so I, I think when we see the, the, the green light go back up and, and sort of coaches able to, to really hit it hard again, whether it be on the road or in the evaluation cycles, I think you'll see a lot of offers going out and, and maybe even early commitments from some of these younger guys because they're, they're the focus of a lot of attention right now. Do you think that some kids, knowing the landscape right now and maybe that difficulty and challenge, that might try to jump on offers that they had before, sort of try to get their reservation in while they can? Yeah, I think you'll see that. I mean, obviously, there's still the – there's always the pecking order. The mm -hmm. kids at the very top of the, the food chain, the five-star top 100 kids, I mean, those guys are obviously still going to have uh, their reservations reserved. Um, but, but I think the, the kid that's got a handful of offers – and was hoping and, and expecting to, to get a handful more in the spring or summer. You know, I think those guys are in the process right now of, of reassessing and, and, and rethinking that, that strategy. I think the other thing that really, to me, is, is, is of note is the idea now that the programs with a really strong local recruiting base, the programs that lean on sort of a more regional, localized approach – are going to find some success. If you're Nebraska and you have to go and get players out of Florida, if you are Oregon or Arizona State and you really are prioritizing finding offensive and defensive linemen in the Southeast, this is, this is tough for those programs to deal with. Whereas if you are University of Texas, if you're North Carolina, for example, which is having a banner year in states, North Carolina is a top five class right now. They got 11 of the 12 commits from the state of North Carolina. Again, you know, if you think about the, the, the decision that these players are faced with, okay, there's coronavirus. There's all this uncertainty nationally. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get out and take the bus tour trips to all these different schools around the country, or around the region. I've visited this, the, my local school several times already. I'm just going to lock it up and commit to the local school. So I think in that way, it's a real benefit to, to not only a school like North Carolina that's, that's seeing a really strong in-state haul and a strong in-state cycle, but how about a, a Rutgers who's coming in and Greg Schiano has got nothing to recruit off of and this state of talents that now can't go out and get recruited by the Texas A&Ms of the world who have been recruited really well in New Jersey. Maybe a Rutgers, maybe a Maryland, some of these programs that are having a, a rougher go of it on the field can capitalize with a better in-state recruiting hall. So there's definitely some uh, sort of some, some new trends, I think, that will be unique to this cycle. Yeah, and those first-year coaches, then they also don't get to really employ their system and their new ways of doing things. I mean, those first-year coaches really have it difficult right now. Yeah, I think that's the – I mean, certainly recruiting – that, that's sort of universal uh, across the board, the, the way that that's impacting um, coaching staffs. But from a, from a new coach perspective, man, you, you're not kidding. I mean, the, the idea that you're missing 
15 spring practices and, and you're not having that time to, to build some continuities, to, to build some to just relationships and, and sort of hands-on interaction with these players, uh, that, that's really difficult. And, and uh, you know, the off-season strength and conditioning program is really probably as, as important as any in terms of just instilling your culture in a new program. And that's something that's just totally out the window at this point. So I think when you're looking at the, the, the coaches and the programs that are facing the biggest challenge throughout this, I don't think there's any question you start with the new coaches uh, because they're already at a disadvantage with the early signing period now. It, it, it really hamstrings them in terms of building out an early recruiting class and that, that first limited cycle. But now the idea that you're going to have to spend four months, uh, probably best case scenario, without any access to your players, um, that's a whole new wrinkle that, that's going to sort of put every new coach at, at a year zero type of scenario. Barton, last thing on this topic, and then we'll get to Tennessee and their 2021 commits. Do you think that the NCAA will adjust the recruiting calendar? Is that a possibility? Well, I think in a general sense, yes. I mean, they already have. They continue to to push back the um, the, the recruiting dead periods. Uh, I think now it's at May 31st is the recruiting dead period all the way through. And and so does if if say we get to June 1st and uh, it's, it's a safe environment and you get sort of the go ahead from the powers that be uh, in a more national uh, public health sense, then I think you could see the NCAA sort of shift some, some windows around, allow some guys to take visits later into July maybe, or allow coaches to get on the road in June. I think those things are very much on the table just from the people I've talked to. I mean, obviously the other, big point is do you then push back the early signing period just because right. this, this whole recruiting cycle has been sort of thrown up in the air. The people I've talked to just on coaching staffs and, and in personnel departments around college football, I'm not hearing a lot of, of a push for that to change. Um, I, I think it's a little more indifference in the sense of just, look, it, it is what it is. Uh, we'll deal with, you know, we can get guys signed early. Uh, I think more kids will probably wait till the later signing period if there is to. Um, but I don't necessarily expect the change to the, the signing periods. Uh, but absolutely, it feels like whatever happens here with the timeline of the coronavirus and the quarantine, uh, there, there's probably going to be some subtle shifts just in the timeline of the dead periods, the recruiting periods, uh, and, and times coaches can get on the road. We're visiting with National Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports and college football writer for CBS Sports, Barton Simmons. He's on Twitter, at Barton Simmons. So, Barton, I want to get your thoughts on the last couple of verbal commits for Tennessee. They stayed in-state, went to Brentwood Academy, got commitment from wide receiver Walker Merrill in the 2021 class. What do you think about him? I like Walker Merrill. I mean, I think that he is a versatile wide receiver. I think that he is... Uh, the, he's very athletic. You know, he doesn't, he hasn't tested off the charts in terms of speed, but he, ha he has tested at a really elite level in terms of explosiveness, vertical leap, long jump, and, and those sort of things. And so I think that you're getting a guy that has some really innate athletic gifts. He's a bigger wide receiver. He has size. I think he's got the body quickness and suddenness to play inside if needed. Um, and he's got the sort of toughness to be a perimeter guy as well. I compared him to Zach Rogers, who 
played it, you know, started at Tennessee out of David Lipscomb, um, just another middle Tennessee kid that was also very athletic. And, and, and I think in a similar sense, I don't think Walker Merrill is the most polished wide receiver you're going to find, but I think he is uh, really talented. And I think he really, does a lot of things with the ball after the catch. And so I think that's a, a great example, like we were talking earlier, of the idea of Tennessee having a guy in state, sort of bird in the hand saying, look, we don't know where this is going to be. We're not going to string a guy like Walker Merrill around. This kid's talented. Let's get him in the fold right now, make this happen, and, uh, and, and, and get this wide receiver room built out. Well, you were talking about North Carolina earlier. Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee staff certainly getting work done in North Carolina. Jay Graham probably helps in that area even more. And Alabama is another area they're going into. But tell us about Jalen Wright, the running back from Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, the, the state of North Carolina is just teeming with talent right now. And so, and that's been a push over the last couple of years, I think, with Tennessee to just try to try to get a foot in the door in that state and, and just probe because there are some players in that state. Um, there's some it, – it's not necessarily like Georgia in the sense where it's heavily canvassed by every school in the country. There's the right kind of players there. I think you find tough football players there. I think you find defensive linemen there, which is a critical position, obviously – um, and, and I think this is one of those tough football players. I think he has the right demeanor mentality that that's Jeremy Pruitt and his staff look for, uh, particularly at the skill positions. And so th- that was one that was sort of a little bit off the radar for me. I haven't dug into his film and profile as much as some other guys, but definitely a guy that I think is, is, has been a priority from a regional standpoint for, for Tennessee and, and has the right sort of makeup uh, to, to be a, a really productive back in that offense. Nine commits for Jeremy Pruitt in that 2021 class. Of those, they have one four-star. Their highest-ranked prospect on the 24-7 sports platform is Jordan Mosley, the wide receiver from Mobile. What do you think about him? Yeah, you know, he is kind of a, a mid-sized receiver but has some some thickness to him and, and some strength in terms of the way he, he sort of goes about his game. He is uh, – He's got return value. I think he's another player that can play on the outside or in the slot. And he's got verified long speed. And so I think that's what you're getting with him. And look, Tennessee's done a really good job with this, particularly last class. When we think back in that 2021, 2020 cycle, excuse me, uh, how athletic the wide receivers that, that they came, that came in are and, and were. I mean, I, obviously these guys are um, haven't seen a down college football yet, but I think you'll see the long speed those guys possess. This is sort of in that mold of a kid that is is going to be able to stretch the field vertically, going to be able to make the plays down the field despite not being necessarily a big 6'3 towering presence. Um, he's got some some quickness to him. I think he has some route savvy. And so I, I think that this was, again, an early commitment for Tennessee. And that's another area in, in, in the state of Alabama that I think that they'd like to, to have a steady and regular presence, particularly with Jeremy Pruitt's background. Visiting with Barton Simmons from 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. Last couple things with you, Barton, Tennessee 2020 signing class. Are there any guys that you kind of look back on as early contributors for Jeremy Pruitt and the Tennessee team this fall? Yeah, there's a few. You know, there's there's a spot at the edge position for the Tennessee defense, I think, where where they're going to probably need a little bit of help. I think Tyler Barron is an interesting prospect to me because he's got a frame that he could eventually – more of a, a down lineman, but he also has the athleticism to, I think, affect the, the game as an edge rusher right off the bat. And so 
I'm interested to see how he, he develops or how quickly he can impact things because he's got some really unique tools and gifts. I think Morvin Joseph is another one that, that really jumps out to me in terms of being physically ready, has the competitive demeanor to, to come in and, and compete right away. And this is, again, another edge rush kind of guy. And, and I think when you look at the way he, he produced on the high school level, uh, there's, there's reason to believe that, that he's ready as well. Um, I think the other spot that it, it, it excites me in terms of Tennessee's 2020 cycle is, is wide receiver. Jalen Hyatt is – now, look, he's, he's got to add some weight. Uh, this is not going to be ideal for him to miss some summer sessions and, and just get on the meal plan at, at, in Knoxville. But he is really a longer-limbed, elite-speed guy, one of the faster guys in this class. And when you look at Tennessee's sort of – it was more of a rugged receiving group over the last couple of years, a little more uh, – you know, Jawan Jennings was sort of the face of that unit. And I think this crew coming in – there's not a lot of four sevens rolling in the door in this 2020 cycle. I mean, these guys can roll and, and Jalen Hyatt it leads the way. I think Jimmy Callaway is another one that is, is in a similar vein and, and uh, a really explosive player. I, I love him on defense too. I mean, you can pick your poison. He can play defense. He can play offense. He can be a return guy. He's just a football player. And, and I think that that impact's going to be felt initially at the wide receiver position. But, you know, th- those are a few guys that jump out just off the top of my head to me. I think Omari Thomas is, is, is another one that's got the body type that you want. I-, I actually like him better perhaps on the offensive line, but he could be a great defensive lineman as well. And then obviously, like, the, one of the disappointing things about the lack of spring practice is not getting to see Harrison Bailey battle for the quarterback competition. Yep. Um, I wonder if that sets him back in, in that quest as to be a true freshman starter. He's certainly one of the more equipped quarterbacks in the 2020 class to start as a true freshman with this truncated timeline. We'll see whether that's still attainable, uh, but he's mature. He, he's, he's, his body's ready, uh, and, and he's a very accurate passer. And so I think that that could give Tennessee a lot of consistency under center if, if they can uh, work him in effectively. So we'll, we'll see what's ready there. But uh, again, it's a really interesting class, and I think one of the one of those classes, as we got closer to signing day and as we dug in more, we kept on liking it more. And, and I think that's a credit to the evaluation efforts at Tennessee and, and a credit to these guys in terms of their, their football sense because uh, those guys just keep cutting better, better which, uh, which makes you feel good about what's, what's arriving in the fall. Our Barton, last thing, one of the things I like to do in our video series is three for V. These are three things I want to ask you about. One is what room are you in? Two, do you have a dog nearby that could join us real quick? And three, tell us about the last time you were in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. All right. The room I'm in is currently my office, which is in the midst, if I can pan a little bit, of being (laughs) – it's being transitioned into a nursery. So okay. I, I've, got, I've, I've got a limited timeline left in this office. We've got a new baby coming in July. I'm lucky right now. The four and the two-year-old are out of the house, so no one's going to come in and, and interrupt us. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how much longer this is going to be the backdrop for you in, in our conversations. But uh, it's been a good office for me for, for, for a couple of years. And the dog, when we had our second kid – the dog got shipped off to a farm somewhere and is living a much happier life where she's getting a lot more walks and a lot more exercise. So 
Uh, we haven't seen the dog in a while, but uh, we miss her. Kids are asking about her every day. And then last time I was in Knoxville, actually, the last time I was in Knoxville was last August uh, during preseason practice. I, I swung through just to visit a little bit with some of their off-field guys and kind of get a couple peeks at, at preseason practice. And, man, if, uh, if I can get back over to Knoxville for preseason practice in August – I'll be a happy guy for a lot of different reasons because that, that, that'll mean good news for the fall. Absolutely. Barton Simmons on Twitter, at Barton Simmons. You can find him on the CBS Sports platforms and also National Director of Scouting for 24-7 Sports. Barton, always respect your work. Great to catch up with you. Glad you're safe, doing well. And we'll talk again real soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure.